What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you and your walk toward eternity. If you're a first-time listener, shoot me an email with your own questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and on any other podcast format that's out there, Google Play, etc. Whenever you rate us and review us, it helps other people find out about the show. So if the show is helpful for you, potentially it could become helpful for them as well in their walk toward becoming the saints that God is inviting them to be. On today's show, we're going to talk about missing Mass on Sundays and the, the potential gift that a televised Mass can be for you. We're going to also talk about finding happiness whenever we experience depression, and we're going to discuss our brothers and sisters, maybe those of you listening right now, who experience the effects of cafeteria Catholicism, um, pretty much where we pick and choose what we want to believe, what we're going to accept, and what we're going to reject um, from the Catholic Church. But before we get into those topics, I want to share with you a glory story. So my glory story today is um, it's about my family uh, and about my, my family, both on the parish level and my blood family. So this past week here in Louisiana, we experienced some pretty bad weather. And a tornado uh, actually hit, touched land in a few different places here in our area. And so at that time, I was uh, I was having my two-week summer school, Love and Mercy Academy. And so we have the, the Little Nuns of Jesus and Mary down here, the Friars, the Mercedarian Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament, a bunch of parishioners and, uh, who have come to just be with us uh, this, this week. And they're going to be here next week as well to walk with our middle school students and encountering the love of Jesus Christ in the scriptures and in adoration and in prayer and in tradition and church teaching. It's been really beautiful. But on Thursday, uh, weather got really bad. And so the kids went and they began to pray the rosary. And me and my youth minister, Brandy, uh, we got the Blessed Sacrament and we processed around the campus just to, to bless the campus to protect us from the, the tornado coming our way. And praise be Jesus Christ, we were protected from from that tornado that was headed our way. Uh, so praise God for that. Uh, but my family, blood family, wasn't so so blessed, um, but they were blessed in other ways. Um, my brother Matt and his wife Janae and their children were at home, and um, he and his wife are on maternity and paternity leave right now because they have a three-week-old baby, and so um, their oldest son was with my mom and dad, and then they had their, their three daughters with them, including their newborn. And they just began to see that the weather was getting really bad. And so Matt and his three-year-old were playing together. And his wife was holding their newborn baby. And the five-year-old was was also playing with him. And so he just told the five-year-old and his wife and their newborn child, he said, how about y'all walk walk away from the windows right now? So the weather's looking pretty bad. They didn't know it was a tornado. They just knew that the weather was looking really, really bad. And so as everyone began to get up to walk away from the windows, they just heard this bang, 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 bang. And the next thing you know, he was on the ground and a tornado hit their house, destroyed the house. It uprooted a huge tree that fell on the house, which um, destroyed their daughter's bedroom um, and the front of the house. And it uh, also made the house collapse on top of my brother, Matt. And so he woke up from, you know, being hit in the head and the back and, and, and he was trapped and he didn't know where his family was because he was trapped and and his three-year-old daughter was under him. She was directly under him. And so even though she was cut and bleeding, she didn't even cry because she was so shocked at what just happened. And so Matt was screaming for his daughter 
because he didn't know if she was alive and she wasn't saying anything. He wasn't aware that she was under him. And so he finally was able to just feel her and, and she just was looking at him with her eyes wide open. And so they were trapped in the house for about 10 minutes. His wife, Janae, was with their newborn. The five-year-old daughter also was under the house. She was able to climb out herself. So his wife, Janae, and their newborn, um, along with their five-year-old, were just trying to find them. And they were searching the house, and she went outside, and she was screaming for help. And, um, and nobody came to help at that time. And so then she went back, and Matt was finally, 10 minutes later, able to, to climb his way out of the house with his baby, who was... At this point, you know, they were both bleeding and, you know, bruised, but um, only minor injuries, praise God. And so they were able to get to the hospital and um, and we were able to go there later that day. And um, after they were at the hospital for the most for the majority of the day and after I prayed over them, we went back home and began to to just clean up. Um, but it was such a glory story because my brother and his wife were about to put their babies to sleep in their bedroom and their bedroom was completely leveled. And so. Um, they would be they would be dead if if, if, um, if they did that. It's such a glorious story because if Matt wasn't playing with his three year old daughter, she would have been by herself in that area of the house that collapsed. Um, she would be dead. But by the grace of God, the Lord Jesus Christ protected them. Their angels protected them. And so, even though they lost material things, um, they have life. They have the gift of life. And I'm so grateful to our Lord, to our Lord for that. I'm so grateful. Um, so please, please pray for them right now. You know, they're they're a bit traumatized. They survived the flood. Uh, in 2016, they were flooded uh, during that flood that destroyed my parish on Pastor right now. And so they and my other brother both lost their homes then. And they just recovered from the flood and moved from that house to this house because this house didn't flood. And, and this house was hit by a tornado, the only house to be hit by the tornado in their neighborhood. But by the grace of God, they were spared. They were given um, the grace to, to survive. And so the Lord still has work for them to do on this side of heaven. So I'm just grateful. I'm so grateful. And I know many of you have been praying for them. Uh, Jeff Cavins put out a message on Ascension on Facebook and on Twitter and, and social media, Instagram. And, uh, and many of you have been supporting uh, my family uh, through your prayers and, and financial support during this time. And so thank you so much. It's such a gift, such a gift for, for, for us to have the, the wider community, the body of Christ step in to, to help during this season. Um, so praise God. Glory story is God protected life um, because they, their lives still have work to do. Um, just as Jesus Christ said in John 17, Father, I've accomplished the work you gave me to do. They, they still have work to do. They still have work to do. And I'm grateful that I get to, um, to be with them to see what work the Lord has in store for them to do to help all of us become saints. So praise God for the glory of life. All right. Before we get into today's topics, I have some follow up from previous episodes Faye from the Philippines says this, Dear Father Josh, I am from the Philippines. I would like to just ask for your prayer for my nephew Paco, uh, who will be joining a three-month discernment program of the Legionaries of Christ in Connecticut. I ask for your prayers for his safe travel, and he will be away from his family, and that he will eventually clearly know God's will for him. Paco has two other siblings, Polo and Pio, who have hearts for priesthood. Praise God. Uh, may they also get clear direction from God. Please also pray for my mom's health, who turned 85 last March. Please pray for her complete healing from cancer. Thank you again for your prayers. We'll always include you in my prayers. Amen. Well, Faye, let's pray for your mom right now. Um, may Faye's mother, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed from cancer. Father, thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. May Polo and Pio and Paco Receive the gift of wisdom and discernment in their walk toward eternity. Father, again, your will be done. Your will be done. Your will be done. 
Also, next question comes in from Anonymous. Anonymous writes this. Good evening, Father Josh. Very recently, my wife made me aware of your podcast. Over the past couple of weeks while traveling, I've played catch up with a bunch of your episodes. I've even recommended your show to friends, in-laws, and our older nieces and nephews. I don't really have a question, but I wanted to say thank you. As a New Orleans native and LSU Tiger, go Tigers. I was at Christ the King for a year. Love LSU. I appreciate your entire approach. Uh, From your accents, your references about your home area to the positive way you read and respond to people's questions, I frequently find myself nodding along in violent agreement. Dude, what does violent agreement look like? (laughs) Like you're having a seizure or something? The ease in your method makes it feel like we're having a conversation. One that I did not know I needed to have, but sincerely need to have more often. This is all highlighted by the ease with which you handle complicated, sensitive, and sometimes uncomfortable topics. Once the podcast are over, I deeply consider the topics and their application in my life. Most specifically, I've been thinking about NFP, National Family Planning, and the theology of the body in deeper and more open ways. My wife and I have been married for 15 years, and we have six children. We are both raised Catholic, attending Catholic school from K-12. through In my case, I'm a Jesuit Blue Jay. I'm in the Jesuits were right down the street from my, my school, Notre Dame Seminary. And K through college, my wife, she went to Franciscan in Steubenville. Shout out to Franciscan. It was because of Steubenville conferences that I had my conversion and came back to relationship with Jesus Christ in this blessed sacrament. So praise God for all the supernatural fruit comes from Steubenville's campus. We are both from big families and always wanted many children. She has been learning about and practicing NFP, the Creighton Method, and the Marquette Method for years. I've been more supportive since having child number six. NFP is challenging. Amen. Look, dude, thank you for being real, right? It's, it's a gift, but it's also it's challenging, um, especially since we are open to more children and on the fence about timing. I'm 40. My wife is 38, which complicates things, but isn't a leading factor. Life is. One of our children has special needs, and we want to be able to offer him and all of our children as much attention and love as possible. Of course, I know God's plan is always the right plan, in orders of magnitude more important than ours. But context matters. In our situation, my being in the military, our living overseas, and my consistent travel results in many prolonged periods of abstinence. I've always been the one that struggles with NFP, and these prolonged periods are challenging for me. My love language is physical touch, and after months of abstinence, I find myself attempting to make rational, objective justifications for the unitive being weighted more than the reproductive. However, your most recent podcast during the Easter season that addressed these topics have helped my perspective and nudged me to more deeply invest in the programs and seek other ways to be close to my bride. Thus, I am thankful for you. God bless you in your vocation and your ministry. Your parish is lucky to have you. Please keep all of us attempting to fully live out our faith in your prayers. Anonymous dude, thank you so much for your prayers. Shout out to the Blue Jays uh, and to your wife uh, and to your six children. Um, may they help you become saints. I pray that it's true, my brother. Um, also, I'm lucky to have my parish. My parish is one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given me. They have helped me to believe so much more deeply in the divine providence, the divine providence of our Savior. So uh, I will continue to pray for you to become a saint and, uh, and to love your wife and your children well. Uh, Lord Jesus, give this man the grace to receive your love in a new way today. Give this man who is your intentional disciple the grace to experience your love in a new way today so that he can share your love with his wife and with his family and their walk and in his walk toward eternity. Amen.
All right. Well, that's our follow-up. Let's get jumping into today's topics. All right. First question comes in from Aaron. Aaron, uh, not A-A-Ron, but Aaron, E-R-I-N, which, yeah, so makes me believe Aaron is a woman because normally a guy's name is spelled with the A-A-Ron, like D-Nice or Timothy. Anyways, Aaron writes this. When does TV Mass fill Sunday obligations? Sunday Mass obligation. We missed Mass this past Sunday due to severe weather conditions in our area, so we watched Mass on TV. Do I need to go to confession, or is that okay? Aaron, that's a great question. So you can go to many other places to find research, like Canon Law, on what is permissible to to not worship God on Sunday um, in the context of community at Mass. But I pretty much like to give a litmus test for missing Mass on Sundays, um, so if the reason is because of severe weather conditions, then my litmus test is this. Do I need to go to confession? Here's the litmus test. Would I miss a party for a loved one because of severe weather conditions? Would I miss the wedding of a friend because of severe weather conditions? And would I miss school or work because of severe weather conditions? If I would miss school, work, a wedding, a party because of these severe weather conditions, um, then yeah, uh, you're totally fine, right? Um, because that, that shows me that, that you're not outwearing other goods above the greatest good of worship of God at Mass um, in the presence of the, the Eucharist, right, with the priest and the community. However, if you would miss these other things, then I think that you're okay. I think that you're totally fine. Um, as long as you would not prioritize other goods above and beyond the Mass, you are in a good place because you have to really think about your health and the well-being of your family. God doesn't want you to put yourself in danger. And right? so that's why we have mass. Mass on TV for the homebound is for people that cannot leave their home for whatever condition. They can't leave their home because they're sick. They can't leave their home because their kids are sick. They can't leave their home because um, they're scared of the weather because the weather looks really crazy and they don't want their kids to um, die in a car accident or, or get caught up in a tornado like my brother did this past week. Um, that's why we have mass for the homebound. So in that situation, you were homebound. I'm proposing as long, and supposing as long as you would not prioritize trying to make it to any other good above and beyond mass. This belongs to the context of our health as well. Right. If, if you have a severe illness, um, if your kids, uh, there's, there's so many other other factors that we have to keep in mind. Um, God wants us to to worship him. It's a holy opportunity um, to be with him in the context of the community. Um, but we have to keep in mind that there are factors that sometimes keep us from being able to go. Um, some people can't drive and because they can't drive, they have to get a ride to mass. And if they can't get a ride to mass, they can't make it to mass. If mass is not somewhere they can walk, and then it's totally acceptable for them to watch mass on television and to worship God that way. So uh, if that was your case, then I completely support your decision to stay home to protect yourself and your family. Um, however, if you would have gone to something else that is a lesser good than the mass, then that would be confession worthy from my perspective. Uh, let me know what you think, though. If you have any other additional um, thoughts about that, uh, hit me up at AskFatherJosh at EssentialPress.com and let me know so I can continue this conversation with our sister Erin E. Wren. Uh, not A-A-Ron, Aaron. So, uh, yeah. But Aaron, I, I think it sounds to me like you're good. It sounds like you were really trying you know, to, to be prudent and not bring danger to yourself or your family. Uh, so that's that's my thoughts on that question. 
Okay, next question comes in from C. C. C, 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 C period. C, I like that. What up, C? C. All right, C says this is about finding happiness. This question has been edited for length. Hi, Father Josh. I found your podcast from Abiding Together. Yo, shout out to all my sisters in Christ at Abiding Together. I love Heather and Michelle and Sister Miriam James. Y'all stay tuned because there's going to be an Abiding Together takeover in a couple of months. And so uh, I can't tell you what that is, but just just trust me. It's going to happen and it's going to be awesome. Uh, But back to C's question. I love it and I love how you answer questions. I started to binge listen to all of your podcasts. I was sexually assaulted a few times while growing up. I'm so sorry to hear that, see? Um, By family, by my doctor, and by my swimming instructor. I kept all this to myself, afraid to tell anyone. Kind of forgot about it, or so I thought. In addition to this, my siblings and I were so scared of dad, we would tiptoe around and only talk in whispers. He was physically and verbally abusive. As I grew older, I started to hate him, despite my mom telling me and my siblings not to because he is our father. I was diagnosed with depression earlier this year. I thought I was just tired, but when I started crying out of the blue while grocery shopping and thinking about ramming my car into trees or anything while driving, sleeping or lying in bed from Friday to Sunday, waking up only for mass, I realized this is not just tired. Dad passed away in 2017, and Mom told me that he asked for a priest and had his confession and his last sacrament after so many years of being away from the church. Praise God. Praise God for his mercy. I love my family, so I try to do everything I can to help. They ask me for help whenever they're short on cash, so I started doing part-time jobs, four at the same time, plus my full-time job, but it wasn't enough. I kept pushing myself, telling myself to be strong, and this will pass. But I started to have suicidal thoughts. I often ask myself, how strong does God want me to be? I've reached out to members of my church and family, but they don't seem to care. I also don't want to talk about my family's secrets, so I open myself up to being vulnerable. I can't sleep. I don't even sing anymore. I don't clean my house. My days don't have any meaning. I still pray, but the peacefulness does not last long. I did get help medically, but I'm still falling deeper. I also joined a meditation workshop by the World Community for Christian Meditation. Why, Father, did those things happen? Where was God when it happened? He can't stop people from doing bad things, but why can't God help me to forget or give me strength to fight or to scream when that happened? Is it really me? Is it my fault that I'm depressed and have anxiety? Should I be strong? I hate the word strong because I felt that I have been as strong as I can for all these years, and now I need help, but people are expecting me to ignore my feelings. They say that there are people out there that have it worse, and I need to just move on. I'm so sorry if my email is all over the place and don't make, doesn't make any sense. And I'm sorry if I'm taking so much of your time reading this. Help me, Father Josh. I'm in so much pain, I don't know how to help and help myself. Okay, see? God bless you. God bless you, see. God bless you. God loves you so much. God delights in you so much. You do not have to be strong. Embrace your weakness. Embrace your weakness as St. Paul did. Embrace your weakness so that God's grace can be enough for you. God is with you. God is with you. I, I don't know why. I don't know why those things happen to you. I'm, I, I don't. I know that it's evil. What happened to you was not your fault. 
you you can't forget about evil. We can't forget about that kind of stuff. Um, but but God can begin to heal us. We cannot heal ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. You know, I was on a solemn retreat a few weeks ago. And one day I was just praying about my childhood. And, and when I was a kid, I saw always go to the park. And so when I was on the silent retreat, I went to the zoo uh, because it was the closest thing to the park I could find. And I was walking around the zoo and I was just praying and I was abiding in, in God. And, and as I was walking throughout the zoo, I saw this, this animal. Uh, and I'm not good with animal names, so I don't know what kind of animal it was. See, but, but the animal was there. It was under a tree by itself and it was wounded. It had this, this cut above I would say it's nose, but it wasn't a nose because it was an animal, and I'm not sure what you would call that part of its face. But it kept trying to lick its wound because it was feeling the pain, and so it was trying to touch it. You know, if you have like a uh, sometimes a wound on your body, a, a cut, you scratch it, you touch it. And so it was trying to touch its own wound, and it couldn't reach it with its tongue. It couldn't reach it with its paws. And so it kept looking at me, and, it, and, and, and I was just reminded as I watched this animal try to heal itself, it was isolated from the rest of its community. And... Whenever we are wounded, we cannot heal ourselves, right? We cannot do this. We must lean into other members of the body of Christ so that God can heal us over time, layer by layer. And over time, I mean over a lifetime, there's always more with God. When I was on another solemn retreat years ago, one thing that the Lord made clear to me was with his grace, with his healing, there's always more. There's always going to be more. What happened to you was not good. So whenever you think back about the abuse you experienced from your family and from your instructors and from people who were supposed to be there to help you, right? that is never going to elicit a happy thought, right? Because it was bad what happened to you. God does not delight in what happened to you, but it is not your fault. It is not your fault. And so here you are wounded. You're wounded right now, and you cannot heal yourself. You cannot fix yourself. Right now is an invitation, is a season for you to lean into other members of the body of Christ, like more professional counselors, and specifically counselors, therapists who, um, who specialize in trauma, those are the ones that, that God wants you to lean into. God wants you to lean deeper into to him on the cross, to be in the presence of a God who also was abused, to a God who was betrayed, to a God who was rejected, to a God who was abandoned, to a God who was stripped naked, sexually abused, stripped completely naked, who was crucified between two thieves who mocked him at one point. The other one came around and had a conversion, but both of them mocked him at one point. God wants you to spend more time with him, crucified Jesus Christ, so that you can recognize that you are not alone. But please lean into him in prayer, in the sacrament of confession, in the sacrament of the Eucharist, to receive the sacrament of anointing. Like Lean into Christ in the sacraments, and then lean into other members of the body of Christ who have gifts that are specialized to help you. I understand you have already received medication, right? That's a good thing. Sirach 38 tells us that's what we're called to do. We should not reject the doctor or the pharmacist, but also there are good traumatic counselors that I would highly encourage you to lean into. My sister, see, you're not alone. I know so many people that I'm able to walk with, religious sisters and brothers, priests, lay people, um, who have also experienced abuse, abuse. You are not alone. They've experienced profound anxiety. You are not alone. They've experienced depression. You are not alone. You have an entire community of brothers and sisters on earth and in purgatory and in the beatific vision right now in the kingdom of heaven who have also experienced that which you're going through, and they want you to know that you are not alone. St. Josephine Bakita is praying for you right now. St. Maria Goretti is praying for you right now. St. Thomas Aquinas is praying for you right now. 
There are so many saints who also experience sexual abuse, who also experience profound anxiety, who are with you right now. And so please lean into the body of Christ so that different members of the body of Christ can, can share their witness with you on how they found ongoing, consistent healing over time. Ongoing healing, not overnight healing, but ongoing healing by Christ's grace. You are not strong. You are weak. But when you accept your weakness, you allow the grace of God to be strong in you. In 2 Corinthians 11, St. Paul writes about this. He boasts in his weakness. He boasts in the fact that he too was abused, that he was shipwrecked, and that he was abandoned, he was betrayed, that he was beaten with rods and whipped with lashes, that he was put in prison, that he was mocked and cursed and made fun of. He, he rejoices in his weakness. He rejoices in the fact that he is a thorn in his side, that no matter how many times he said, God, please remove this thorn, the thorn was still there. How many times, see, have you prayed? You said, God, please, like, just let this thorn go away. Let me forget. And the thorn is still there. God speaks to you the word of God today. God speaks to you the same word he spoke to Paul in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, see, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. He speaks to you the words that come from the gospel of Matthew. See, and all of you, All of you who are weary and tired and heavy burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me in prayer. Come to me in scripture. Come to me in the sacrament. Come to me in the body of Christ. Keep leaning into me and I will give you rest. See, I really want to encourage you, my sister, to receive the grace of Christ over and over and over again. To be free to cry to be free, to cry out, to be free, to experience your pain with Christ and with the body of Christ. You have a community now with not only the Biden Together podcast, but with the Ask Father Josh podcast. You have a community of listeners who are now going to, I promise you, intentionally pray for you and fast for you, who are going to walk with you. You are called to be a saint, see? And, and I, don't, I don't know why those things happen to you, but I do know that God has a profound, beautiful plan for your life. He has a plan for your life, and he loves you so much. And God uses quite often in our life, he uses those things that have happened against us that he did not want to happen against us, but those things that the evil one did. He oftentimes will show the evil one, you will not have the final word over C's life because you know what? I can make all things new. I can redeem her wounds. Her wounds will still be there like my wounds were still there whenever I resurrected from the dead, whenever I appeared to the apostles in the upper room, whenever I appeared to them when I walked through the walls, they saw my hands and my side and my feet, and there were still holes there. Even with all the grace in Christ, the, the, the wounds are still going to be there, but God can use those wounds in a very powerful way, see, to help you help others. Those wounds can become wellsprings of mercy. There's a story I heard and I shared on the podcast recently that Michelle Benzinger shared when she came to my parish uh, a while back to do a woman's night. And she shared a story about a a young lady who was about to be married. She was engaged. It was like weeks away from her wedding, I think, or a month month away or something like that. And and she was um, brutally raped. And it, it was terrible. It was traumatic what happened to her. And and of course, like she went into depression after that. And it was just a very, um, very, very sad season of her life. But By the grace of God, over time, the Lord began to heal her. He began to heal her in his own will, in his own way. And she went back to that place, the building where she was taken advantage of, and she bought that building. And it is now a place for women who have been hurt, for women who have been abused, for women who who are in really tough situations. 
So it's becoming a source of healing for other people. In my own life, with my biggest wounds, I've recognized how God has used them to not only help me encounter him in a more profound way, but also to help me help other people. God has used that the wounds of my life to bring other people to him. And so see, I know God can do the same for you. He can do the same for you. So please, my sister, continue to lean into medication, continue to lean into counseling and therapy, continue to lean into confession, Eucharist, the sacraments, continue to lean into the scriptures, the saints, the church, continue to lean into Jesus Christ and the body of Jesus Christ so that Christ can give you the grace to be weak so that you can recognize that in your weakness, he is strong. He is strong. I love you, my sister, and um, my mass today is, is for you. My mass is for you today. All right, let's go ahead and take a break for right now. Um, when we come back, we're going to dive into our final question. Um, so stay tuned, and, uh, and let's keep each other in prayer. Do you find it difficult to enter into the mysteries of the rosary? What about personally applying them to your life? Drawing from the writings of the saints, the Bible, and Catholic tradition, Matt Fratt has produced Pocket Guide to the Rosary, a masterful work that teaches Catholics how to truly meditate on the mysteries of the rosary, how to pray the rosary like the saints, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your prayer life and improve the way you pray what St. Padre Pio called the weapon of our times, we invite you to check out Pocket Guide to the Rosary by Matt Frad. To order, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. All right, and we're back. Uh, so, quick reminder, you can send me your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. If you're feeling fancy, you can record a voice note and send it to me as well. We will play it on a future show. Final question comes in from, please don't use my name. Please don't use my name. Please don't use my name says this, Cafeteria Catholics, dear Father Josh, I'm writing because I think I messed up. Yo, get used to it. I mess up all the time. Like there, there's probably not a week that goes by where I don't go to my uh, confessor or my spiritual director. I'm like, yo, I, I think I gave some bad advice. I, I don't think I answered that question well. I don't think I did. So look, join the rest of us. To summarize, my question is how to talk with cafeteria Catholics, those who pick and choose which parts of the faith they will follow without sounding like you are right and they are wrong. The bottom line is I accidentally offended a good friend and a recent Catholic convert and made her feel unwelcome in the church. Yikes. All of our lives have been a case of opposites attract. Her family was very liberal politically and on social issues and not religious, and mine was politically conservative and Catholic. Knowing that she's always been pro-choice, she's had an abortion, and pro-gay marriage, I asked her if she considered herself still liberal in social issues or more Catholic. She still thought that they should be able to be legally married and that she didn't see what religion had to do with it. She also said she regretted her abortion but did not want to take the choice away from other women. I kind of pushed back by asking if she talked about this in RCIA. She said no. In the end, she felt that I thought she should not be Catholic, even though I told her she belongs in the church but just is missing out on some of the beauty of our faith. We essentially agreed to disagree, and it just left a sour feeling to the reunion. Should I follow up with her in some way? 
share some other insights with her and how should I have handled it? I wouldn't ask that of most people, but I felt our long history gave me special permission. How do we talk with cafeteria Catholics without pushing them away? Thanks so much for your insight in this matter. I'm so appreciative of your podcast and of you. And please don't use my name. Uh, that, that's a really good question. So I'm just going to talk. And hopefully sometimes when I talk and share stories, that helps people to discern um, discern what they could do in the future, what's best for them. So I recently saw a dialogue between two Catholics, two Catholics. Uh, and these two Catholics are, are, are both men who, who love Jesus, and they, they both love each other, and they both love their church. These two Catholics are two men who love Jesus and love their church and love each other, who practically disagree with each other on most topics of life. One is conservative. One is more social justice-oriented. Um, one is, um, I'm not going to go into all the details, but I'll just say this. They, these two Catholics, um, in their discussion, which lasted many hours, they discussed so many topics, including capital punishment, the legalization of marijuana, they discussed the Catholic Charismatic Renewal, Pope Francis. They talked about institutional racism. And pretty much on most of these conversations that they had over these topics, they disagree with each other. But what I thought was very beautiful in their conversation and their dialogue was there was not one point in their discussion with each other that they, hmm, how do I say this, that they fought with each other and they called each other names, that they raised their voices that they labeled each other conservative or liberal or anything like that. They did not flight from the conversation. They didn't leave the table. They, they sat at the table for hours. And every time that they would share a point, the other person would listen to that person's point and then ask the other person more questions. There were some points in the conversation, I think, where they were able to say, I think I might be wrong on this issue, or I think you, know, you might be right. Um, I think that uh, I might have to do some more research. I, I'm not really solid in, in my belief right now on, the, on this topic, but I'm, just, I'm still thinking about it. Um, and there are other points where they, they just disagree with each other, and they flat out were not in agreement. But even when they disagree with each other, even as they debated each other, they, they continue to reverence each other. They reverenced the image of God in each other. They reverenced the body of Christ in each other. And it was very beautiful. And so I, I like to think that that's what the early church apostles did as well. In the early church, in Acts, we see there was a lot of disagreement in the early church over some pretty serious doctrinal issues. But whenever they had disagreements over doctrinal issues, they did not call each other names. They did not curse each other out. They also did not leave each other. They didn't run away from relationship with each other. They continue to lean in and have these ongoing conversations with each other. Um, and so uh, over time, they would then find out the truth from Holy Mother Church, right? The apostles would step in and give them the definitive source of truth on the topics. But they waited and they continued to debate until they found the, the objective truth came to them because they continued to lean into the church, the body of Christ, and God in prayer. And that's what I really want to encourage um, you to do and you to invite your friend to do is even whenever you have disagreements, even whenever one person is clearly right, because there's only one objective truth, right, and the other person is clearly wrong, sometimes God's grace takes a while um, to permeate through the, the individual's soul, depending on their state of life, depending on their state of being right now. And so our goal is not to sit there and, and, and argue with them or fight with them. Our goal is to debate with them over time, um, but, but to listen and to whenever they, they give us their point, 
to fast and say, okay, I'm really going to sit with what you said and I'm going to come back to you with, with more questions because I really want to try to understand the way you think and then maybe you can listen to the way that I think and we can, can keep the conversation going. But we don't have to keep the conversation going on these topics every time we're together. We can also just simply be with each other and we can do things like pray with each other and go sit with Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament and invite Christ into the conversation so that Christ can be the one over time to help us understand. Sometimes people, even though they're with Christ for a long time, it takes a while for them to be able to accept the difficult teachings that come from Christ. Uh, the disciples who were with him in John chapter 6, many of them left whenever he gave them the bread of life discourse. How long were those disciples with him? I don't know, but I'm sure it's for more than one day. But many of them still left because the teaching was difficult and others stayed. The ones who stayed did not really understand the teaching, but they believed in Jesus. They loved Jesus. And so because they stayed with Jesus, over time, Jesus gave them the grace to believe. As a priest, I've witnessed this happen on so many occasions where people come to me who are pro-choice, where people come to me who are um, in support of things that are anti-biblical, that are anti-Christ. Um, and I walk with them and I don't ever discourage them. And I just, I ask them questions. I let them know, hey, look, I disagree with you, but like, I still love you and I still want to hang out with you. And so let's just keep hanging out with each other and with Jesus. And I've legit watched Jesus Christ in the Eucharist and in the Bible um, convert people's hearts in ways that I could not ever imagine being used by God to do. Because I just, all I do is point people to Jesus and say, go spend more time with the scriptures, go spend more time with the Eucharist. And I watch him do his stuff. And so uh, in the future, I don't think it's a problem to have difficult conversations, but I, I do think it's a problem to ever fight with people. I, I'm not saying you did that to ever um, to flight from those relationships just because they're difficult and uncomfortable. Um, but I think we need to recognize like we need those people and they need us. Like we all need each other. No person is an island. God used a donkey in the Old Testament to communicate to people. He can use people who are um, are wrong with their theology and their dogma to help us. I, I've had people in my life who've helped me. There's one person in my life I'm thinking about right now who is um, not Catholic and who is uh, who has beliefs that are very different from mine. And some of them I find to be absolutely disgusting, to be honest with you. Some of this person's um, thoughts that they've shared, I, uh, I'm repulsed by some of their thoughts, but I'm not repulsed by the person. And so I have to lean into this person still because this person has helped me out in other ways, not with doctrine, um, but with service and with justice and with other things. And so hopefully I'm able to help this person with maybe doctrine at some point and maybe with with um, with prayer and with the Eucharist. I mean, so like God can use that person to help me in some ways and God could use me to help that person. And I'm, I'm not great. I'm like a donkey, right? Um, but I believe that we need each other. We all need each other. And so recognize that there's still a lot of room for you to grow. Um, please don't use my name. There's room for you to grow. And there's also still more room for this person to grow. And, and we should be okay with that process happening over a lifetime. Um, Jesus Christ um, stayed with people, even whenever they did not, when they did not convert. Whenever he was on the cross, crucified between two thieves, one thief converted, one didn't. But he still stayed with both of them, giving both of them an opportunity. And that's what we should do. We should just still abide with God in prayer and abide with people in relationships. So that's what I think about your question. Hopefully I said something that could be a little nugget for you to chew on for a while. Okay, so that wraps up today's show. Um, basically, the universal point um, from today's show is, if, if I was able to sum up in one point, is grace. Let's just lean into Jesus. Let's just lean into Jesus and his grace, and Christ and his grace is enough for all of us. His grace is enough for all of us and our walk toward eternity. Okay? Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We will wait on you. We will wait on you. We will wait on you, Holy Spirit, to overshadow us and to transform us so that we can see with your eyes and hear with your ears, speak with your voice, fill with your hands, walk with your feet, be with you, mind, body, soul. Come, Holy Spirit. We want to love as you love. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All right, God bless y'all. I cannot wait to walk with you toward eternity. I will see you next week. Don't forget, rate and review us on iTunes and all the other podcast formats out there. And hit me up with more questions, comments, critiques for future episodes at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com.